0: Welcome to Talking Credit Unions with Chris Smith. This is a monthly podcast dealing with subjects close to the hearts of credit unions, and it's also close to the heart of credit union managers, directors, and anyone else that lives in the world of credit unions. This edition is a sampler or taster of the podcasts that start in January 2020 and carry on one a month throughout the year. The running time is never more than 30 minutes. I bumped into Abby Shelton the other day and she told me that she's starting working on a project that's in conjunction with the Credit Union Foundation. And when I started asking a little bit more about it, it sounded very interesting. This is all about memories from pioneers who set up and ran credit unions back in the 1960s and 70s, 80s and 90s. She's trying to get this project off the ground, a lot of interest in it already. And it's a case of, do you remember the early days of credit unions? Well, Considering how old I am, I remember lots of the early days of of credit unions. But there's a lot of people out there that probably want to contribute to this project. But this project is an unusual one in that it's an oral history project. And I've got Abby with me right now. And I can ask Abby, what is this project, Abby?
1: The Credit Union Foundation is really keen to make sure, like you say, that the, the memories of people who were there in the early days of credit unions are captured. And they're not, uh, and they're not lost forever. Things are so different now. Um, a young person walking into a credit union now be walking into a, um, an office. it would be computerised. It may have a shop front. It might have lots of staff. It might be a multi-million pound business. In the eighties and nineties, most people started off maybe in the Back room of a church or trade union meeting, and it was just an idea, it was just a few people getting together and learning together to uh, to develop something. So things have changed so quickly over the last twenty or thirty years, and it's really important to to capture those, but to capture it from the people who were there rather than just sort of a history from above, looking at what people did from an observer point of view.
0: Reading your note that you put out earlier. It says that you're looking for people that are interested in telling the stories, but it looks like you're also interested in one or two volunteers to help you put the actual project together. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. That's that's a big part of the project. It'd be great to get um, to get some people, um, especially young people, involved and um, trained up. We'll be working with the Oral History Society, which does some fabulous training courses, um, helping people to learn all the skills that they need, the um, the interviewing skills, and um, looking at some of the the technical skills as well. We'll have um, proper equipment. Um, and people will be trained to uh, to do that. We'll recruit the people to uh, who who want to be interviewed, to, in, interviewed, <laughs> and then um, and then people. Will, the one of the interviewers will travel out and um, and capture those memories. And I've been doing it myself on another project. And it really is a privilege to sit with someone and, um, and have them 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 tell you their life story. It's uh, it's a really fabulous thing to be able to get involved in.
0: I know from. Uh several events that i've been to and one recently where you came along which was the greater manchester crowd that got together Mm. the old the old chapter people from the 1980s and 90s and the minute you sit down with them those stories start pouring out and it's amazing how much you've forgotten and sitting in a group you collectively remember much better than you do on your own
1: you're talking there about people getting together in a group and, and remembering things and that is true but that's one of the skills that you learn as an interviewer to sort of um to take the cues from people and to get people to think on and use the silences so that people do really start thinking down and those and those memories do start coming out
0: yeah that's nice and it's enjoyable as well people catch themselves enjoying it
1: yes definitely and lots of people do say um that oh you won't be interested in me you know i've got nothing to say um and and then they tell you an absolutely amazing story, and you think people need to know that. You know, you know that people do. People are too modest, um, and I know people have said this to me that I should be involved in this as well because I've got stories of, uh, you know, community centres, m- more activity was going on around the uh, the people getting toast and then dropping 50p into the collection point and then someone would be filling in the share and loan ledger and it was a fabulous team effort and people worked really hard together but fabulous team
0: assuming the project is successful and that you attract the funding uh, that you're looking for from national lottery heritage fund how do you eventually imagine people will be able to listen to what you've found
1: There's a couple of ways. Um, We'll be developing a website which will have some clips of the interviews on there. We also hope to collect photographs, both the people who are being interviewed and any old photographs and other artefacts and things, and maybe merge over time that in with other collections that have been developed. And the other thing which I think is really exciting is that the British Library has agreed to take the collection. So the British Library Sound Archives have got over over 80,000 oral history interviews on there. It's a world-class collection. Um, So um, will be we'll be working to, to their standard so that the collection can go in there and then anybody will be able to access that, academics, researchers, people who are just interested um, for perpetuity.
0: So lots of trade association signposting to it by the time that it arrives in these places?
1: Yes, yes, that's right. No, we've got the support of all the, um, the three main trade associations. This, of course, at first it's just going to be across the north of england that's really makes sure that there'll be quality pilot but it's the first stage of the project that will help us to learn and spread the word and it will also um will develop a toolkit throughout that process so that it'll be able to rep- replicate it around the country as well
0: so what we've got to do is, do you remember the early days of your credit union? Anybody out there? Do you have any stories to tell about how you set up and ran a credit union, how it changed over the years? Would you even be interested in telling your story and adding to Oral History Archive? And um, Finally, would you be interested in even volunteering on the project and helping record some of these memories and running events that people <laughs> share their stories at? And Abby's asking if you can contact her, and I'm going to give out a large email address. It is save and sound, all one word, at creditunionfoundation.org.uk. So this is all together, no no gaps. Save and sound at creditunionfoundation.org.uk, and you can show your support by letting us know if you'd like to be involved or even telling your story. But just get in touch with Abby that way. Have I recalled that properly for you in my uh, oral history of what you've just said?
1: Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks, Chris. And I just urge people to, um, even though we won't be getting going on this for a while, and it does depend on getting the funding. Yeah. If we just know if we've just got numbers of people who are interested, that's really helpful in putting the bid forward, so that they know that we've got a great community of people out there who are uh, who are keen to to engage with this and um, and help us going forward.
0: So show your support to Abby and get onto that email address, and then she can use your interest uh, to back up a bid to the National Lottery Heritage Fund. I really do hope it's successful, Abby. It sounds so interesting, and I wish you lots of luck with it in the new year.
1: Thank you
0: very much, Chris. Community Finance Europe is welcoming members to its next conference, and that's members from Britain and Ireland. And their first conference for 2020 is going to be an event of learning, discussion and networking. And the theme of this conference that they're putting on is serving the needs of members today and tomorrow. It says that they're going to be looking at technology and other critical operational and business issues in relation to how credit unions can best support their members. And this will include sessions on leadership with Drew Povey. That's the guy that's seen on British TV on Educating Greater Manchester, as well as discussions creating community and digital era opportunities, I suppose, and threats to credit unions from open bank banking and approaches to core technology ecosystems and uh, this event takes place on january the 17th in manchester taking place at the mcdonald hotel In fact, it's called the mcdonald manchester hotel nick money the director of development at the center for community finance Europe, spoke to me earlier and when i asked him about the conference and i asked him what sort of people are going to be coming along to this conference and what sort of people came to your earlier successful conferences in 2019
2: We have. Our last two conferences that we had, the ones we had in 2019, we've got a real mix of people from credit unions in England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, as well as people from government, people from the PRA, people from the FCA. Great mix of people.
0: And you were telling me when I spoke to you last week that you really have had a lot of people applying for tickets for this. And I know this is a corny thing, but everybody says, are there any tickets left? But are there any tickets left?
2: there are we've got we've got small number of tickets left for our members we have some reserved for members members get free tickets but we've also got some for guests because we welcome people from all around the movement um and that helps make it a really rich conversation when lots of people turn up so um there are some tickets left have a look on our website
0: now in terms of the appropriateness of the agenda I'm mad for this because first of all drew Povey I watched on the TV pro and I've never heard him speak but I've been reading some of the write-ups about it so i'm looking forward to that but first of all I'm really feeling that I am getting quite behind the ball in terms of what's going on in the digital market out there with open banking and shared banking and shared data and I bet there's not just me in the credit union movement, I bet there's many of us that feeling that we're really getting a little bit baffled and feel that we're in catch-up mode regarding what's going on with this. Do you think some of the conversations and presentations at the conference are going to help me a little bit with this?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We've been, got a, a great speaker, Marlois Nichols from Finance Innovation Lab, who's going to talk to us about the risks and opportunities from open banking. And open banking is where basically policymakers are now requiring banks to make available to other providers, the information they hold about their customers. So some credit unions are already getting the consent from their members to go to their bank accounts to get the data they need instead of asking them to send bank statements in, for example, when they're making. to talk to us about that, but about all sorts of other potential ramifications from this. And uh, we'll have the opportunity for everyone to talk and ask questions about that.
0: You know, another thing is I love talking to you whenever I get you know, on my own and get, get into some of these conversations because you seem to be far more adept at understanding what's going on with you. I remember you talking to me recently about what's happening with some of these new fintech banks and, and their ability to open accounts in a moment, making me feel that some of the credit union account opening is very clunky. But this is a lot to do with your own background, isn't it, Nick, in terms of banking systems and understanding the process of banking systems and delivery.
2: Yeah, I'm not a technologist, Chris. but I, um, I've spent a lot of time as a, as a business person trying to work out what technology might support the needs of customers in a previous life and members in a current one with credit unions. I still learn an awful lot when I'm listening to our speakers because I'm by no means an expert and, and the pace of things is moving so, so very fast. It's important to listen to the people who really are at the, at the cutting edge
0: of things. At the risk of always sounding like my dad, I keep thinking things are moving really fast. But is there a feeling at the moment that there is an absolute sp- spurt in terms of change in banking systems credit union systems and the whole world of family finance
2: yeah, well, there absolutely is. Technology has sort of in the last two or three has just sort of unlocked something. I think last year there were 40 applications for a banking license in the UK, which is unprecedented. It's the ability of organizations to offer banking on an app. And a load of organizations are coming in and trying to, to do that as an interesting challenge for us as credit unions as to how we respond to the offers they're making to the, the public. And some of that's going to require us to adopt the technology
0: as well. No, I know you've got two young lads, and uh, uh, for instance, and I've got two lads. And uh, it, one of the things that I do notice about their lifestyles is that I'm not convinced that they're going to be, should we say, patient enough with the sort of systems that a lot of businesses or in, in family finance have got already. So this change thing, I mean, and again, it, it, it's, we've all had these conversations at various times, but this change thing's not stopping, is it? It's not going to go away, Nick.
2: No, I don't think it is. And I'm not sure how far ahead we can predict what it will look like. And we may uh, beat ourselves up a bit too much if we try to work out what the world's going to look like in 10 years time. We might be better off just trying to work out how we can keep up in the next 12 to 36 months because the long-term future is very, very unclear. We've got the potential impact of artificial intelligence in banking in, uh, coming out in a few years down the track where, you know, in, even some credit unions are starting to use automated responses to uh, member queries. Um, and as, the, as automated intelligence gets smarter and smarter, more and more stuff that we currently do by talking to each other, will be able to get dealt with by technology. But how that's going to work, what speed it's going to work at, how
0: much it's going to cost, uh, I think all of that's a bit unclear some of these subjects hopefully come up at the conference but last thing on the technology thing your opinion here nick do you think it's all about speed is it just about speed of delivery or is it still anything to do with quality is it to do with uh, is it to do with the care that we get from suppliers is it to do with the the type of products or is it just about speed is technology just about speed
2: well, I think the technology is, is a lot about speed and convenience. Um, but there are I think people respond to different things. Um, and as credit unions know very well, they have a lot of loyalty from people who know that credit unions have helped them out. When banks, which are much more automated, would have said no uh, and been completely inflexible. So how we retain that ability to be people orientated whilst adopting the speed and efficiency that technology permits i think that's one of our key challenges
0: okay um, and, and that leads us nicely into that suggests then if we're going to re- weave those two things together in credit unions that we're going to need good leadership and uh, going back to the fact that drew povey's going to be speaking at uh, at your conference uh, is it, i was reading one of his quotes uh, yesterday and it, I, I just love it and I, it's one of those it said uh, whilst good days give you happiness, bad days give you experience and lessons worth learning too so don't be regretful there's always another day to get it right and I think that's a far more sort of honest uh, of the moment expression rather than the the, the all sort of TQm sort of uh, just keep persevering I just think in his case it's a more realistic way and I like for the bits of the snippets I've heard of him online is he's a very realistic. Uh, leader and from what I remember watching him on TV very realistic and I I think that might be something to do with the future of leadership in this country not least for credit unions is that realism what do you think
2: yeah no I agree and I think we are very dependent in our organizations on the quality of our leaders because they're so small the organizations are small you and I recall Chris when we worked at the the bank that there was a layer of middle management who who could mop up after leaders making poor decisions or or equally could could stop good leaders make uh, taking people in the right direction but nevertheless there was that sort of layer of people who could manage and mitigate what leaders wanted to do in most of our credit unions there isn't that layer of people either acting as a break or, or uh, you know acting as a break or a mediator on that stuff so if our leaders aren't doing the things we need them to be doing then uh, the effect's going to go straight through the organization quickly. So really hope that Drew's um, down-to-earth approach to leadership will be both uh, practical but also inspiring, give people a bit of a lift, give them some tips as to how they can motivate and develop their teams.
0: Excellent. Nick... I can't miss this opportunity of getting you on now just to ask you, you've been up to lots of things for the Centre of Community Finance Europe, but any things on the back burner that we're going to be seeing in 2020?
2: Well, we've um, <clears throat> We've got a paper that will be coming out, if not this year, maybe uh, certainly early in 2020, around financial capability, helping credit unions think about uh, how to improve the financial capability of their members, which is obviously one of our core objectives as credit unions. Um, we've got uh, we'll have a paper coming out on open banking following the conference. When uh, Marlowe will get some feedback from the attendees about you know what they, how they feel about open banking, we'll we'll finalise a paper on that. Um, we're looking at issues around credit risk. There's a Lot going on in the world of credit risk risk scoring. And what data to take into account when you're trying to assess somebody for a loan, and we're, we're looking at whether or not we can uh, provide some guidance on that for people. Um, and there's a range of other things we've got on the boil that I'll uh, we'll be announcing in in
0: 2020. Okay, Nick, that's excellent. And if anybody's interested in joining you on the conference, they can go on the CFCFE. Uh, website and they can click through for a ticket if they're uh, members or non-members but it's is it you're saying it's free for uh, existing members
2: uh, yeah free free depending on uh, on your subscription level but yes go to www.cfcfe.eu um, and if you go to our events page you can uh, get through to the conference booking there
0: We've got an assortment of topics lined up for next year. In January, we're going to be talking about brand. Why should credit unions care about brand? In February, we'll be going to be talking about restructuring credit union workforces. We're going to be having Jan Clevelier here in the studio with us, and we're going to be asking her, how do you rearrange the jobs in such a way that it's facing the right way for the strategic future of the credit union? In March, we're going to be asking the question, should credit unions be worrying about the fintech competitors? Or indeed, what are fintech competitors and what are they up to? In April, we're going to be asking the question, which core credit union software is the best? I know it's a subject that's come up time and time again and has been... A cause of some derision in the movement, but at least we're still talking. And at least we need some form of core credit union software. So which one is the best? Let's have the discussion out in the open. In May, we're having a discussion about the recent changes in credit union regulation. In June, we're going to ask the question, are credit unions ethical? A lot of them say they're ethical, and I believe they're ethical, but some people would challenge that what is ethics when it comes to credit unions and indeed are credit unions ethical in july we're going to get involved with the subject of mergers mergers of credit unions why bother what is a transfer of engagements and can't we just all collaborate anyway throughout the year these subjects and many more subjects will be touched upon in the podcast We're going to have experts and specialists come in and a lot of credit union practitioners, people that you know, people that are running credit unions right now to explain and share some of their experiences of the things that's making their credit union successful and maybe some of the potholes to avoid all in a nice format here on a podcast so that you can listen to the world of credit unions. It's Chris Smith talking credit unions. Bye now.